The basis of this morning's sermon is from the book of Genesis just read to you, Adam, where are you, where are you? It started out so good that it went really bad. Friends in Christ, from the time that I was a freshman in high school, we became friends. He attended the same church I attended. We played on the same church basketball team. And pretty much from the time I was a freshman, he was my friend. There was a time that I went back to my hometown after being gone for years and decades that besides my parents, besides him, those were the only ones from my hometown that I really had a relationship with, had a friend with. We, came, we stayed in contact throughout the years. And then about six and a half years ago, he was diagnosed with cancer. And every month he posted on our Facebook site an email uh, his condition, how things went after his uh, last checkup with the doctor. And then last October we heard the word, there's really nothing more we can do for you. And I visited with him a few times in October and a few times um, in November, and I realized the last time I would see him on earth. His brother called me up December 2nd and said he died. How many times I wish I could go back to those days when I would be able to visit with him and talk with him and recount our days in high school, recount our days in church, in youth group, and recount our friendship. You ever been in that place in your life where you just wish you could go back to how things were before? I really wish I could go back when that person was alive. I really wish I could go back to the times when that person still loved me. I really wish that I could go back to the day before I was diagnosed with this disease. I really wish I could go back to the day when I had that job that paid so well. You've ever been there in your life? You only wish that you could go back to how things were. I think that's how it is sometimes in my heart with my friend. Now I have the joy of knowing that he's with the Lord. I think that's how Jairus felt. If I could only go back to when my healthy 12-year-old daughter was doing fine and doing things that typical 12-year-old girls do. Help their mom in the kitchen. Be friends with other girls. Talk about the boys in their class. Go to the synagogue and temple. If my daughter, I wish I could just go back to how things were with my daughter before she got really, really sick. And the only person that Jairus knew he could go talk to about that was our Lord. And even when he brought the disease to our Lord, someone came up and said, your daughter died. How I wish I could go back to how things were before with my little 12-year-old girl, and now she's dead. I wish I could go back to the day when she wasn't sick at all. Now, I think we know how that all turned out. You see, when we wish about how things were, we're reminded about evil in this world. To you, what's the worst evil in this world? Is it school shootings? Was it the Holocaust? Is it threat of nuclear war? Is it the ongoing constant discord in our life? What's the worst thing in our world? Seeing a child with leukemia at the age of two? To you, what is the worst evil in our world? The lack of respect of authority? What is the worst evil in our world today? If you could put your finger upon it. What's the worst evil today? the discord, the disrespect, the idolatry of God, what's the worst evil? Is it the coronavirus? The ongoing fighting? Is it greed, neglect to God and neighbor? What's the worst evil in our world? Harold Kushner wrote a best-selling book 
that said, why do bad things happen to good people? So Herod Kushner, he took the logical route and he said this, either God is either all-loving but not all-powerful, or God is all-powerful but not all-loving, because an all-loving, all-powerful God wouldn't allow evil to take place. If God truly loves everybody and God is all-powerful, he would stop that little 12-year-old girl from dying. If God is really, truly all-loving and all-powerful, he wouldn't have allowed my friend to die. If God is all-loving and all-powerful, I wouldn't have had to have that terrible diagnosis from the doctor's office last month. I had a friend in high school, a good friend in high school, and he always said, my father's an atheist because if there truly is a God, then why did God allow the Holocaust to take place? Other people have said, if there truly is a God, my loved one wouldn't have died in that car accident, my husband wouldn't have left me, and I'd still had my job that I got robbed of. That's the question. That's the question that Harold Kushner brings up. If God is all-loving and all-powerful, then why is there evil in the world? Why did the Holocaust take place? Why didn't God stop that person from shooting somebody else? Why did my loved one have to leave me? Why did this accident have to take place? To Harold Kushner, God is not all-loving or all-powerful because he would have done away with that. And so that's the question of evil. The question of evil affects us today because our pews aren't totally filled because there's people who say, I don't believe in your God. If your God is all-loving and all-powerful, I just don't see why my uncle died of cancer. I don't see why my, my child has to go to St. Jude. I don't buy into that. So the question of evil, we have to look back to the beginning, to Genesis 1 and 2. The Bible said ten times, and God made the world, and it was what? Good. Everything God made was what? Good. Morning, evening, he separated the land from the waters. He populated the land with, with animals and filled the seas with creatures in the sky. And everything that God made was what? Ten times God said, and it became, and the world was good. And into that world he put who? Adam and Eve made in his image. With all respect, I ask couples I marry, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? And they look at me. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? What, do we look like God? No, to be made in the image of God is what? God gave us a mind. He gave us a soul. He gave us a heart. He gave us an intellect. He gave us reason. He gave us a spiritual ability to believe and understand in God. We are made in his image in that we share in his characteristics of knowing right from wrong of having a heart, of having a mind, a rationale, think and reason. And to enjoy life, God gave Adam and Eve, made his image, the good life, marriage, and to procreate. Now, no offense, we don't reproduce. My wife's here now. We don't have three little Kurtz and three little Lisas running around the world, okay? We didn't reproduce. We what? Procreated. They're like us, but not exactly like us. And in that world, perfect world, God put Adam and Eve with the ability to procreate and say, watch over my creation, and everything was what? Good. And I think we know the story. Maybe I'll put a little bit of a different edge on it. And then something entered into it. A tempter. A tempter came and threw out the lures that somebody would bite on and assisted in ruining that world. And what did the tempter do? He came up with the all-time best temptation, you know, because we all bid on it. You get to call the shots. You get to be your own God. I'm the master of my life, and no one's going to tell me what to do. We've all been infected with the Frank Sinatra disease. What? I did it how? My way. I like what Billy Joel says. Go ahead with your own life. Leave me alone. I do things 
my way. No one's going to tell me what to do. And that was a temptation and lure that Satan threw out, and it sounded good. It was mixed with lies, with a lot of truth. The ultimate opposite of love, the Lord your God, and you shall have no other gods. And that was the lure that got tossed out to Adam and Eve. I think you know the rest of the story. Adam and Eve were pushed, pulled, and persuaded. The sin didn't come when they ate the apple. I don't know if it was an apple. The sin came when in their heart they trusted the serpent more than they trusted God. Let me say it again. The sin didn't come when they stuck their, the fruit in the mouth. The sin came when their heart trusted more in the serpent, more in God. They were pushed and pulled into it. Mom made a chocolate cake and told her son, I'm going outside for 20 minutes and you keep your hands off of it. It's for after supper. You don't touch the chocolate cake. So mom went outside, did her business for 20 minutes and came back in and his son had chocolate cake crumbs all over his face. Didn't I tell you stay away from the chocolate cake? And the little boy said, well, the devil pulled me into it, okay? Adam and Eve were pulled into that. They were pulled in, they bought into that lie, and they transgressed against a holy God. So God said, Adam and Eve, where are you? Now, of course God knows where you are. If you're going to play hide-and-go-seek with God, you're going to lose every time. God knew exactly where they were. You can't hide from God. It just doesn't work. We're hiding from God. He's not going to find us right, okay? What God meant, Adam, where are you? Where's your heart? Where's your soul? Where are you with my relationship with me? Where are you? Now, this is how we know sin entered the world. What did they do? Well, they what? They hid, clothed themselves. They now know about lust and shame. They wish it could just go back to how it was. That's why they're hiding. We wish we could just go back. We now know something's desperately wrong. God, we just want to go back to how it was. You know how I really you know how we really know they sinned? How? Well, we heard this before. To err is human, to what? Forgive divine. To err is human, to blame somebody else when I err is even more what? It's them. The woman you gave me, no, Adam did it, right? Somebody told me after early service, remember where you point, there's always three fingers, what? And sin entered into the world. You've heard it all before. Something is drastically wrong. The picture shows it. There's now a separation between God and us and us and others and God and creation and us and creation. See, here's the thing. See, God is holy and just. He is perfectly holy and just and he does not tolerate sin. You get punished for that. Where are you, Adam? I know you're hiding because you know you're guilty and something bad's going to come on you. Right? Sin has its consequences. Well, let's finish these phrases. Don't do the crime if you can't do the what? (laughs) Heard that before? You reap what you what? If you mess with the bull, you get the, (laughs) never mind. Sin has its consequences in front of God who is utterly holy and just. You break my law, there are consequences. What else do we say? Give them a taste of their own what? Yeah, you're going to taste now what you did. You made the bed now what? Adam and Eve, you decided to sin against me, and there are consequences to that. And finally, some people create their own storms and complain when it what? Hence the reality of sin and the reality of consequences, and the reality of evil in our world. What does the Bible say? Go ahead and read in the red. For what? 
you and I. We've all sinned. This is what Jesus says about us. Jesus says, what comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that what? Nobody has to teach you and I how to sin. This is what David said in the psalm. He speaks the truth of original sin. Can you surely read the rest? I was sinful from my birth, the time my mother conceived me. It's called original sin. If someone doesn't believe in original sin, I suggest you visit a preschool. You don't believe in original sin, visit a preschool and have the teachers leave. Okay? Had a pastor who told me I was really convinced of original sin when I watched how my three and four-year-olds treated each other. I once went by a nursery and there's nobody in there. There's a little two-year-old boy had a little toy truck and smashed another boy in the head with it. So I went in and stopped it. So I smashed him in. No, I didn't do that, okay? And the other kid was crying, crying. He didn't see he was crying. Don't be, believe in original sin. Parent like this. Never tell your child no until they're 10. Don't tell your child no until they're 10. Don't send them in my class, Okay. <laughs> I was sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Nobody has to teach us how to sin. It is part of our nature. That's part of that consequence. And sin has its consequences. And finally, the worst. From Adam came death to who? And what today is, no offense, today's just a day closer to your and my death. That's what today is, if you look at that. Once had a surgeon tell a patient, none of us get out of this world alive. How true it is. Nobody here gets out of this world alive. Death came to all. Of course, unless Christ comes. See, my rebuttal, my answer to Harold Kushner is, why do what? Good things happen to bad people. Because we're all sinful. You ever have someone say, I just want to get what I deserve? I just want to get what I deserve. God, just give me what I deserve. Wait. Anybody here really, really want to say that tonight? God, give me what I deserve. I think we'd all would think twice before we would ask that request. The reality of evil is the reality of sin in a world in which somebody transgressed against a holy and just God when they didn't have to. Evil is a consequence of that. See, the question of good and evil, it's a question we deal with. Why is there evil? When I was in graduate school at the University of Missouri, I took, no, seriously, it was a class called Advanced Adolescent Psychology. That's what it's called. Advanced Adolescent Psychology. And I do love teenagers, don't get me wrong. And we all, had to take, we all had to take a class on why teenagers act the way they do. Well, Samuel Clemens said this. When my t- son turned 16, I put him in a barrel and I cut a hole and fed him. When my son turned 18, I put a cork in that hole, okay? Now that's Samuel Clemens, all right? I love teenagers, but we all know teenagers sometimes. They don't do the wisest things. They tend to be ideal. But for that grad school class, Advanced Adolescent Psychology, we all had to write a report on things about teenagers, and I did music. But about two-thirds of my classmates, I'm not sure they're religious or not, they all said there's something really wrong in this world. Like they're talking about teenagers and their lives and how things go and parenting and the mess they have. They said that there's something really wrong. Well, of course there's something really wrong. It's a three-letter word called what? Sin. There's something really wrong. All right. Where are you, Adam and Eve? 
I think you know you sinned. That's why you're hiding. That's why you're covering yourself. That's why you're blaming. That's why you're refusing to take responsibility. And so there's four realities in which I'm going to ask us to view the world in spite of this evil, in spite of how I wish things were. The first reality is we still see good in God's creation. What's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? My wife and I went to Alaska. That was gorgeous. I believe America's view is really the Grand Tetons. If you really want to get the grandest view in America, go see the Grand Tetons. They're just gorgeous when they sit alone. What's the most beautiful thing you've seen? A sunset? You've been to Hawaii? Even driving across Nebraska can be beautiful if you see the wide open plains. As far as you can see, you can see a storm 60 miles away. We still see good in what? God's creation. We're still touched by the beauty of a baby being born. There's still good in God's creation. We see evil in every part of this world. Last April, the secretaries came and got me. There was, a, there was some sort of alarm going off. I thought it was a fire alarm. I didn't see the fire trucks. I could always jump out the window. No, I still need to do that, all right? But they had a shooter's alarm. You have to come in this one office and all of us have to hide in this corner because at St. John Lutheran School, there's still what? Have to do a shooter drill. Is there evil in our world? Yes, there's evil in our world where our school children have to go hide because someone might come and shoot them. A few years ago, I took my family to Disney World. I think we were on Peter Pan's flight. And I had my children with me, and we got off the ride, and I turned around. There's a little boy behind me next to a woman. He had a big smile on his face. But that's not unusual. What was unique was his T-shirt that said, Make a Wish Foundation. Why was he there at that time? He looked skinny. He looked ill. I think you know why he's there. There is evil in every part of this world. Even in our church, because we're all sinful, flawed people. Don't believe evil in the world? Turn on the TV. Open up the newspaper. It's everywhere. Evil has entered into every phase of our world. The third view is we see the dual reality of God's judgment and grace on the world. There's that constant dual reality. Every disease, every earthquake, every tornado, every flood, every war is a reminder that judgment day is coming. It's a reminder judgment day is coming. Judgment day is coming. We see God's judgment in the world. God does not tolerate sin. He punishes. We see God's judgment in the world. Judgment day is coming. Dr. Martin Luther said, I have two dates on my calendar. One is today, and the other day is judgment day. It is coming. But then we see God's grace in the world. How? Well, we see people loving people like at St. Jude's. When our school goes to the nursing home and passes out cards, that's God's grace. We go and visit someone who's in the hospital, that is God's grace. When we tell somebody, I forgive you, that is God's what? Grace. We see that dual reality in the world. God's judgment and God's grace. They are both there operating at the same time. And finally, God sent Jesus to forgive and redeem this world and sent us to spread it. So the Father who said, I don't believe in a God because the Holocaust took place. Well, there's the answer. Jesus came to redeem and forgive us all. I don't believe in God because this happened. There's the answer to the cross. Jesus died for us all. I wish I could explain it. I can't. In this world of evil, God sent Jesus to redeem and to forgive, to redeem, forgive, and open up heaven. 
That's the reality. See the world through those four things. Still good in creation. Evil's penetrated every part of our life. God's judgment and grace is still in play. That's why today exists. And God sent Jesus to die for us. That's our answer. God, why did this happen? Look at the cross. Why is this happening to me? Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Jesus died for me. I love this picture. I think it summarizes this whole sermon. Can you read it with me? Life is short. Death is sure. Sin the cause. Christ the cure. And Jesus saves. Yep. The reality of evil. I wish things could be the way they were before, but in heaven they'll be even better. In heaven's a promise even better. Reality of evil, death is sure, sin the cause, Christ the cure. So how about this for a closing thought? I'll notice Luther's hymn. I like his title. All mankind fell on Adam's fall. All mankind fell on Adam's fall. One common sin infects them all. From sire to son, the bane descends, and over all, its curse impends. We thank thee, Christ, new life is ours, new light, new hope, new strength, new powers. May grace our every way attend until we reach our journey's end. And all God's people say...